Should we make pornography illegal? That's coming up on the Van Maren Show. Stick with us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Today we're going to be discussing whether or not the United States of America should ban pornography, and if they do, how that would be done. To discuss that, we're talking to Terry Schilling, who is the Executive Director of the American Principles Project. He's worked in communications development, grassroots, and management positions with Representative Chris Smith, Senator Sam Brownback, and a number of other politicians, and he works to figure out how to make socially conservative principles actual government policy. His article on First Things on how to regulate pornography triggered a discussion on whether or not the conservative movement should back the banning of pornography, and he agreed to come on the Van Maren Show to discuss that. So without further introduction from me, this is Terry Schilling and our discussion on how and whether to ban pornography. Um, maybe you can first summarize uh, for our listeners and our viewers this debate that's gone on inside the conservative movement for the last six weeks to, to a couple of months here on the issue of pornography. Yeah. So uh, about a, Five or six months ago, uh, there was this debate started, I think in large part from an article that I wrote for First Things titled How to Regulate Online Pornography. Um, And it's broken down into basically two camps on the right. You have the libertarians who would prefer no government regulation or uh, restrictions on online pornography, uh, with the exception of probably child pornography. Um, and um, then you have the more conservative side of the aisle, and even that's a little bit split up. Uh, you have uh, people from Matt Walsh, uh, who's advocating for an all-out uh, pornography ban, uh, to uh, more practical uh, people who just want to do age verification or domain zoning, s- stuff like that that would be less intrusive but allow for the protection of children. Um, but it's been a fascinating debate um, that we've seen roll out. Um, it's an important debate that we should be having. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that's really been puzzling to me is that uh, in the 20 years since uh, the Supreme Court struck down uh, the Communications Decency Act, or at least the large part of it that protected children from online pornography, um, there really hasn't been any action or any debate surrounding pornography. They've just kind of, the movement and and American society and politicians have just kind of moved on. And we've reached a point where I think online pornography has gotten a little bit out of control, uh, to say the least, Um, and children are starting to access it uh, quite frequently the average age of first exposure to pornography is actually 11 years old. Um, and uh, that's just for children in general. That's not even counting, uh, you know, the differences between boys and girls. So it's a major problem. It's a debate that we need to have. And it's a, it's a problem that we need to address. I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting uh, that you mentioned the, the 1997 Supreme Court decision because I write a lot about pornography. I've given a lot of presentations at high schools and things like that on the issue. It is the number one moral issue that I think threatens the future of social conservatism and a lot of, of Christian communities. If you look at the rate at which pornography is infecting families and communities and churches. But one thing a lot of people ask me in response to the things that I've written about this is, is well, 
why can't we ban pornography when you describe the fact that, you know, 10-year-olds, the average 10-year-old has seen a gangbang by that age online already? They say, well, can't something be done about this? So I guess to, to sort of set this stage, what is the, the legal framework that exists? What are the restrictions on banning porn? Where are we at with all this? Because I think for most people, we went from Ronald the Ronald Reagan era war and obscenity to this, and they don't really have any conceptualization of what happened in between those two things. Yeah. So um, if you go back to the ACLU versus Reno case, uh, this is the case that struck down most of this communications decency. Uh, they mostly struck it down because they said that the, the burden on pornography users was too great. And what was that burden at the time? Uh, the burden was that you had to have a credit card to verify your age. And they said that that burden was too great. Well, you know, if you look at that, and, and, and this is what's funny about the Supreme Court and, and, you know, government in general is that they really have no foresight. Um, in this decision, um, they wrote that uh, the Internet was not per, as pervasive as radio or television. And thus, it was, didn't meet the same standards for censorship or regulation. Um, however, they, the Supreme Court, while they struck down most of the Communications Decency Act, they did not strike down the existing statutes on the books that restrict uh, obscenity, uh, the transmission of obscenity across airwaves, including uh, especially uh, transmitting obscenities to minors. Though there are laws on the books right now that basically outlaw online pornography. However, they're not being enforced or pursued by our current uh, legal establishment. And so part of our tactic here has been to work with members of Congress and ask questions for, like, for example, why are these uh, statutes that are already on the books blocking obscenities not being applied to the internet today? Why are we allowing um, 11 year olds or eight year olds even um, with access to the internet to be able to access obscene material simply by checking a box right. and saying that they're 18 years old. Um, but you know, it goes back to uh, this argument uh, and it's really foolish uh, that the uh, first amendment protects pornography and that it's a, uh, it's an act of free expression. It's an act of art and that there can be no regulations that permit it, but that's, are, are permitted that, that are that are constitutional, but that's just absurd. Uh, pornography is not protected under the First Amendment. It's obscenity, and we not only have every right to regulate it, we have every duty to regulate it and restrict mm -hmm. it where we can. And that brings me uh, to your article in November 2019, your First Things piece, which I really, really thought was, was fantastic because I've seen a lot of conservatives sort of make blanket arguments about banning porn, all of which I am extremely uh, in favor of just because I've I've dealt a lot with the fallout from pornography. These kids who have been permanently poisoned, and I got an email from a kid in grade 12 a while ago. He stumbled across porn for the first time when he was in the sixth grade. He said, I can't even talk to a girl right now without thousands of images of naked people and all these horrible things that I've seen online flash through my head. His head was just clogged with this filth before he was even of the age that he was that he had started dating people right this this kid had seen gangbangs before he'd ever held a girl's hand and, and it's it, unacceptable that kids are being robbed of these of these very normal experiences and that's why regulating pornography i think is something a lot of people could get on board with 
if they realize just how bad it was, but you have Matt Walsh who says, let's just ban it. Um, Ross Duzat actually proposed something similar in the New York Times uh, early last year. But your article, your essay here was the first one that actually laid out ways that this could in fact be done, which is one of the reasons I appreciated it so much. So maybe lay out for the listeners and the viewers, how do you think we could constitutionally tackle the porn issue in a way that wouldn't get struck down by the courts? How could we take some steps to start keeping this garbage away from kids in a way that would actually hold up a protection that would be lasting? Well, I, the, 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 the most robust and I think the most practical proposal that I laid out was a opt-in to adult content feature uh, that we require of internet service providers. So this is something that's actually been um, implemented and tried in Great Britain. Um, and uh, it's been experimented with. Um, and, and this, the opt-in method to adult content online uh, is, is a very effective way at combating pornography, especially when it comes to putting it in the hands of children. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what this would do is the internet, when you order it, uh, you know, so you're a family, a married husband and wife, and you've got some kids, when you order the internet, it's going to come just like your cable package. It's going to come just like your radio in that uh, you will get a, uh, a filtered version of the internet that does not include adult content. And if you want to access that adult content, uh, you can call up your internet service provider and you can change the filters. So in Great Britain, uh, what they have is very similar to what our Motion Picture Association of America has implemented with its rating system. They have a G, a PG-13 rating, and then an unfiltered version of the internet. So it's, it's basically just asking internet service providers and internet companies to live by the same standards that we ask for every other uh, media company in this, in this country when it comes to music and television and all of that. The internet really, it, it's so odd how people view the internet. They almost talk about it as if it's this loophole uh, beyond all laws and all uh, common decency. When mm-hmm. in fact it's not, it's just another form of our culture. It's another form of our society um, and it's online and the same laws and rules should apply to, the online world that apply to the physical world. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of criticism uh, of my proposals. Um, you know, the, uh, one of the, the other ones is just simply age verification, an age verification system that actually means something rather than just clicking a box saying that you're 18. But, you know, the, the biggest criticisms I get are from the libertarians and they say, oh, well, you know, parents could actually just start to parent their children and do a better job parenting. If we're being realistic, uh, parents have to compete against a $97 billion a year uh, entertainment, adult entertainment uh, industry. That is not possible. It's like parents having to fight big tobacco uh, companies by themselves. We don't expect parents to uh, just by themselves keep their children from smoking. We have laws that make it illegal for store clerks to sell and distribute cigarettes to minors and, and for anyone to do that. Um, all we're asking here is just for a little help from the state to keep pornography and harmful materials from getting in the hands of our children. And I don't think it's that much to ask. Well, it's really interesting that you bring up that the, the parental angle because, of course, parents have been struggling now for, for the last 10 to 15 years to try and figure out, is it possible to keep porn out of the hands of kids? 
And I was at the uh, Nicosi conference, the National Center for Combating Sexual Exploitation, um, not the one in D.C. last year, the one in uh, Houston the year before. And one of the things that struck me was the executive director, who has several young kids, said, at this point, with, with the number of devices that are available, I've given up the idea that my kids will never see porn, and I've shifted to trying to prepare them for the first time they see it so that they will reject it. And I, I obviously believe 100% I have children of my own that it is my job first and foremost to try and keep these things away from them and train them how to respond to them if they do see them. But it's really interesting. It shows a lack of knowledge on the issue and how poisonous pornography is to claim the government should have nothing to do with this at all, especially based on the impact that this uh, material does have on minds, which we're increasingly finding out, like the research done by Dr. Gary Wilson, who runs the website This Is Your Brain on Porn. And it was frustrating to watch this debate happen on Twitter with all these people saying, you know, parents just want to outsource their job to the government as if all parents are just being lazy and and not bothering to watch their kids and they want the nanny state to come in and make sure their kids don't end up looking at hardcore porn. So what's one of the the best responses to this argument? Because I found it to be ill-informed, um, I, I hope inadvertently insulting, and, and also just sort of really naive about what we're facing. So is it that the libertarian folks over at Reason.com um, I, and I refer to them specifically because one of their responses to your article laid out uh, how we should deal with porn as if pornography was still Playboys that you get at the back of a corner store wrapped in plastic or bulky VHS cassettes behind the curtained off area at the back of a corner store. Is it that they just see pornography like that or they think that the innocence of children of an entire generation is a price worth paying for libertarianism? Yeah, I think that, well, one, I don't think they view pornography as being that harmful. Uh, I think that they view it as just another part of coming of age and your first sexual experiences. Um, So I give them, um, you know, while that's foolish and it's absolutely inaccurate or, yeah, inaccurate, um, I I do give them the benefit of the doubt that they just don't view pornography as being harmful to children. Um, And that's why they don't want to restrict it. Uh, I think that there's a natural uh, skepticism of, giving government more power. I mean, after all, we do have a record of government constantly abusing power that we give them. However, what we're asking for is not that crazy. What we're asking is simply for laws that are already on the books to be enforced using technology that porn companies have already developed to protect the most vulnerable and susceptible people in our society to the harms of pornography. It's a very simple argument. Uh, We have all different types of laws that help parents uh, protect their children. Like for example, alcohol laws, raising the, the, keeping the age of alcohol sales to 21. And they just raise the the age of cigarette purchases to 21. That's what I really find ironic is that while we're raising the age for cigarettes, you, you know, you can be drafted and called to fight in wars and die for your country at 18, but we're not going to give you cigarettes until you turn 21. Um, but hey, if you're an 11 year old or an eight year old or a nine year old little boy who has a smartphone and you're playing Minecraft and you see an ad pop up that's pornographic in nature and you click it, we have no problem with the companies that are advertising that pornographic and harmful material to your eight-year-old son. That's where I start to you know, question the, their common sense of libertarianism. And, and it's, I think it's an example of how 
ideology and unhealthy ideology can can inadvert or in, in, uh, sorry adversely affect someone's judgment uh, when it comes to just being commonsensical. Porn is harmful. It's very obvious that it's harmful. There, there is no question. You just have to ask yourself, would I want my little sister seeing this? Would I want my eight-year-old mm-hmm. daughter seeing, you know, uh, you know the, the types of pornography out there? And, and I th- think that you also hit on a very important and, and good point, which is that a lot of people that are commenting on this, I don't think they realize how bad pornography has gotten. Uh, the state of pornography is radical. It's extreme, and it's because they know that, or they have a high confidence that no one's going to enforce the laws against them. This is not mm-hmm. just, um, as, as uh, you know, I like to tell friends, um, this is not just boobs and butts. You know, yep. this is incredibly graphic, many times violent, uh, stuff that you would never even discuss uh, in front of uh, Pleasant Company, let alone uh, want your children ever coming across. Um, so um, it's it's high time that we do it. It's really commonsensical. And the people that are, you know, trying to blow this up as if it's something that's completely unreasonable, they're making a fool of themselves. And I'm fine with continuing this debate because the, the longer it goes unaddressed, the more harmful and the more extreme the pornography is going to grow. And these people are going to continue to look foolish. And, and eventually, uh, like the friend that you mentioned earlier, um, there are going to be enough victims of pornography and they're going to realize how unhappy it's made them where they stand up and they start to say um, just how pornography has harmed them. And, you know, banning pornography is actually very popular with the American people, especially when it comes to women. But we can talk about that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to, to, to banning pornography in a moment, because one of the things I find interesting about what your case was and what the responses were, because I, I genuinely felt the libertarian responses said more about their knowledge of the issue than it did about the issue actually at hand, is if you read any of the, the latest research, so Dr. Gail Dine's book, uh, Pornland, How Pornography Hijacked Our Sexuality, um, where she describes how the majority of, of pornography now is violent, some of it so extreme that it actually violates the Geneva Convention. Um, one of the most comprehensive compilations of recent evidence is probably the social costs of pornography, uh, which is a collection of papers produced by the Witherspoon Institute. And there's one really fascinating and really horrifying article as part of that collection by Dr. Mary Ann Layden, who I think is one of the premier um, the premier scholars on the issue of pornography called uh, Porn and Violence, A New Look at Evidence. And the stuff that, that you read in there is just staggering because in essence, pornography is grooming a generation of women to subject themselves to violence in the romantic context and grooming a generation of young men to believe that this is part and parcel of, of, of healthy sexuality. And we haven't really started looking into this issue in depth in terms of what is the society when the majority of young men and young women have been looking at material like this at earlier and earlier ages, age 11, as you cited earlier, what is that kind of society going to look like, especially in terms of gender relations? And when we're looking at building a coalition to respond to this issue, the old guard feminists were all very, very opposed to pornography. Andrea Dworkin famously wrote quite eloquently on this issue. Noam Chomsky was in favor of of pretty much banning pornography outright. He addressed this in, in a really fascinating interview. Do you think that we could put this issue forward as a winning issue or is the fact that so many people have been caught up in pornography and caught up in porn addiction, is that something that prevents us from building a coalition to take steps towards uh, preventative action, do you think? 
Yeah. So the conventional wisdom uh, from, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why libertarians oppose addressing online pornography is that there are millions and millions of, of porn users across the country mm-hmm. and that addressing this issue would cause us, you know, great political damage. Um, but when you actually dig down into the polling and then into the numbers, what you find is that... <clears throat> There's a lot of people who uh, who feel addicted to pornography, and there are a lot of people who actually are addicted to pornography, um, but they feel a sense of shame uh, from looking at pornography. There, there's a natural sense that what they're doing is unnatural and wrong, um, and that's not because of what anyone told them. I think it's because it's an unnatural um, act, and it's something that our bodies know to be unhealthy. Um, but what we've also seen, there's an, uh, a, a slate of polling that um, we just found out um, about a, a couple of weeks ago um, from Gallup uh, that testing Americans' attitudes on uh, pornography. And uh, it's similar to the abortion issue in that um, when you t- put the extremes out there, uh, so people that want no restrictions whatsoever on pornography, uh, it's around 9% of the American people. So like the current status of affairs um, uh, for where things are, where there's basically no restrictions for online pornography uh, is 9% support among the American people. Now where you get into like the 50, 60% range is uh, when you ask people if online pornography should be restricted to people 18 or 18 years or older. Hmm. And that's just 50 to 60% support for that. That's not counting the additional 30% of people who would support banning it entirely, regardless of how old you are online. Um, when it comes to addressing online pornography, you have what's I refer to as a super political issue um, in, 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 in getting uh, political support. Uh, you're actually almost as likely to find a liberal uh, woman who supports banning uh, online pornography entirely as you are a conservative male. There is a, an interesting divide, an interesting wedge on the left when it comes to this with feminists, a large portion of feminists view uh, pornography as exploiting women uh, and taking advantage right. of them, which is absolutely true. Yeah. And we should work to uh, build a broad coalition on this issue. And there's a lot you can do with it, with building a coalition. Um, if you look at uh, the practical nature of what you could just start re- regulating and reforming right now. You could easily pass a ban on uh, revenge pornography right. at the federal level. And you could get a lot of feminist support, and a lot of conservative support. You could also most likely ban uh, deep fake pornography, which is when you take uh, someone's face uh, from uh, dozens of photos that they have uh, and you put it onto a porn actress's face and it basically looks like um, the person that you've taken a picture from uh, is performing the sexual acts in the video. You could get um, a lot of Hollywood actresses uh, involved in this. Um, Scarlett Johansson uh, is uh, one of the most outspoken actresses against deep fake pornography. And I would argue that the third coalition, uh, you know, coalition aspect of this to, to, to have a broad sweeping bill would be to enact some type of uh, age verification uh, reform that's much more meaningful uh, mm-hmm. than just simply clicking a box. You know, if you, for example, if you buy alcohol online or if you buy cigarettes online, or if you buy a jewel product or vape right. online, you have to enter in a credit card to verify your age um, and, and access 
gets it. And, um, you know, uh, the, the only rebuttal that I've gotten from that is, is that, well, yeah, but those products cost money. Well, the free pornography costs you something too. And it, what it costs you is your identity and your, you, <laughs> yourself. Uh, pornographers are actually keeping very good track of who's watching, what porn, and where. <laughs> right. They know your IP address. They know your mobile um, device identification number. They can figure out who you are. Uh, from all of these pay for sites or free sites. So you are paying something for it and your privacy is being violated whether or not you realize it. They know who you are, they know what you watch and they know what you like. And they're actually using your behavior to uh, help them come up with new ideas for creating new pornography uh, uh, for what the market wants. And so if I was to build a broad coalition from ultra progressive left-wing Democrats to ultra conservative right-wing uh, Republicans, I would, I would ban porn, uh, deep fake pornography, revenge porn, and I would uh, have some type of age verification. I think you could uh, eliminate a lot of the harm that pornography is causing to America just by doing those three things. Now, now the interesting thing about, about what you proposed is that even with the split in the conservative movement about, state interference um, and and what the role of government should be, which took place, you know, last year triggered by the, the now infamous Sorab Amari versus David French debate on, on the role of government. And this, this debate about pornography was seen as an outcropping of that. Although I disagree that that's entirely accurate because David French is actually quite in favor of banning pornography to the extent that we can get it through constitutionally. And so uh, when I saw his response uh, to your article in this discussion, I thought, well, there's a really good starting point here. Let's take what the Sorab Mary crowd wants and what the David French crowd wants. And there's a really good uh, common ground here that can get us a pretty good chunk of the way there. Um, they would be in favor of all of the things that you just proposed, for example. One of the ones that surprised me, though, um, was was Ben Shapiro. I have his book, The, the Porn Generation, and I know his personal position uh, on pornography is is he's vehemently opposed, but he didn't seem to be too too on board with the idea of taking steps against pornography. And I noticed that you two actually had an exchange. Do you think that he could be won over to the proposals that you just cited? Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that Ben uh, is someone that's very commonsensical, and he, look, he's someone that I've been following for a very long time, and mm -hmm. I understand completely where he's coming from. Um, because I came from that position as well. Um, but I, when it comes to um, laws and government, what I first ask is, is this necessary and in, is this possible? And I think that once Ben realizes that this is not that crazy, all we're asking is for online pornography companies to live by the same rules and standards that we ask television companies and radio companies and movie production companies to live by, I think he'll, he'll, he'll realize that this really isn't that big of a government, that this is just, the internet is so new. It's only, you know, the internet's only what, 30 years old, 35 years old. I mean, for what I, I mean by like public use, um, it's like 35 years old. It's a baby basically um, in the terms of like humanity. Um, but it's total, if it's constitutional to regulate obscenity, then it's totally constitutional to regulate obscenity online. And, um, you know, Ben might, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I imagine if you ask Ben um, if it's, it's constitutional to uh, ban prostitution, which is paying someone for sexual activity. Yeah. Uh, I think he would probably say that that's totally constitutional and within the state's right uh, to our state's power, ability to uh, regulate. So 
pornography is paying someone uh, to perform sexual acts. Um, yeah, just with and, a yeah, just with a camera on. And it's even, you know, I, I think that because of it having a camera and being accessible to literally billions of people across the globe, that it's probably even more important to ban uh, than prostitution is. You know, at least I, um, I you know, the, 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 the prostitution houses, you have to go out of your way to go to. These porn sites are in your pocket. And they're looking for you. I always tell parents, even if your kids aren't looking for porn, the porn sites are looking for you. Like you cited the idea of online games with pop-ups, right? These are very, very intentional. This is being done because they want to draw kids in. Well, and they need the kids to get hooked on pornography at a very early age. There's a lot of similarities between how the porn companies are operating uh, with getting young children uh, exposed to pornography at early ages and how the cigarette companies used to operate. Mm -hmm. Um, And and quite frankly, I think that we should be taking much more uh, immediate and direct action to regulate um, the online pornography companies than, than we do the cigarettes. I mean, one kills you after 50 years and the other one ruins your entire life. It ruins your marriage. It ruins how you view the other sex. Um, And um, it objectifies women. It, It ruins um, your, your mind, which, uh, you know, is corruptible much quicker, um, and has much broader effects on society at large. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the other things that's really upset me about this is, is the people that argue, well, you should just be a better parent. Okay. Uh Um, the internet, I mean, if you look at what's good on the internet, it's incredible. Uh, my kids love learning about dinosaurs on the internet. We went through every different type of, you know, animal and dinosaur throughout, you know, the world history. And it is incredible. Uh, if you ever looked up, uh, I've looked up, uh, with my daughter, uh, facts about the Titanic and the, the route it took and how they found out where it was, where it was sunk. It is a fascinating resource of information and materials that our children should be able to access freely and without a concern of ours. And the fact is, is that pornographers and porn users, people who are making money off of this, uh, their rights to access pornography do not trump my rights as a parent or trump my children's rights as children to be free and innocent and pure and not have that, that, that stuff um, put up. Look, I, how I would explain this to Ben, Ben says, you know, government regulation is required for uh, the internet, uh, I'm sorry, the Environmental Protection Agency, right? So if you have a factory that's pouring sludge into a river, you have every right as a state or as a government agency to start regulating and putting sanctions on that business until they stop putting sludge into that river. This is no different. All we're asking for, we have a factory called online pornography <laughs> and it is all it's producing is sludge. I mean, at least the sludge is just a byproduct of the goods that, that the factory is producing, but we have a factory called big porn that is producing sludge and it's giving it out to everyone and it's corrupting them. And that's fine. We've determined that you have a right to corrupt your own mind, but what we're asking for is to take for these porn companies to take a little bit off of their profits and ensure proper compliance with the laws that are currently on the books to protect our children, protect our families and protect America at large. It's not that hard. It's not to understand the technology is already there. Um, and if you're worried about privacy concerns, uh, then we should probably take even further actions to restrict the rights of porn companies uh, and the data that they're collecting on everyone. So 
I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a all, all, all hands on board and, and everything above type of guy when it comes to this. So, um, let's do it. <laughs> so just to, where do you think this is going to go from here? So there was a lively debate that, what happened for the last few months of uh, of 2019. I noticed the LA Times just weighed in on it rather belatedly, I, I think, last week on this debate. Um, you had that letter from the, the congressman to the president asking that um, these, these obscenity laws be enforced. Where do you see this going? Do you think that this is going to get some traction? Can we expect this... Uh, at very minimum, debate to continue, and and do you think that this discussion about pornography is going to have a key role in the ongoing conservative discussion about what the role of the state actually is? Well, uh, like everything else, and like every other uh, major fight we've had as a country, uh, the success of our fight determines uh, upon everyone else and whether or not uh, we take action um, and get engaged in this. And I can tell you, the organization that I run. Uh, American Principles Project is planning to be very engaged and um, and involved in this fight. And we don't plan to let it sit. We don't plan to let it die whatsoever. Yeah. What we're trying to do at American Principles Project is something that um, hasn't been done for a long time, um, and it's currently not being done. Uh, but it's we want to create uh, a premier political organization for families, for parents who feel forgotten about through whether it's the economy or through social issues like pornography, we want to give them a voice. We want to organize them politically because that's what politicians respond to. Politicians respond to political power and whether or not certain issues and policies will elect them or unelect them. And so what we want to do is we want to take advantage of this uh, vast majority of Americans who are married, they have children, and they're struggling um, from progressive influences, whether it's economic or, or social influences that are killing us. And we want to give them a political voice and organize them. And so if, if we can keep families engaged, if we can get enough parents to show up at, at town hall meetings for the members of Congress and push their members to, to support these common sense regulations, what I proposed in this thing, uh, in this article in First Things, was not that crazy. And to be forward, it wasn't that hard to come up with. It just took the time of sitting down with my friends and, and allies at American Princess Project and also Nicosi. I, I do want to say Nicosi, they're like the Babe Ruth of this issue. They've been involved. Um, they've got so many great issues and, and they're really big leaders on this and they've been so helpful in guiding us and helping us. We've been working so closely with them and I'm, I'm really glad that you went to their conference. And I'm, Anyway, they're, they're a great organization, but this fight only dies if we let it. And I think that the problem will continue to grow um, and, and more and more families will continue to get involved and engaged and, and we're going to win this fight. It's just a matter of time. Um, but I definitely think it's winnable and I, I definitely think that we will win uh, in the end. Well, as a final question, where can all of our listeners and viewers find your work at the American Principles Project? Oh, it's very easy. Uh, you can go to AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Uh, we're a 501c4, and we have a 501c3 organization, which is basically an advocacy and an education arm. Um, but we've got a ton of resources up on our website um, that talk about why it's time to restrict pornography. We have articles explaining how we can do it in a constitutional way. Um, but we also are uh, preparing plans to help the family with a family-first agenda that uh, it focuses on helping families both through the economy and, um, and on, on various issues like life and marriage and, and all of that. Um, so AmericanPrinciplesProject.org is the best way to find us. And basically, you know, if I were to sum it up in a, in a one-sentence way, uh, we're the NRA for the family. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're helping make families great again by, by winning in politics. That's, that's what we do, and, and that's what we're planning to do on years to come. 
Well, Terry, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and talk about this issue. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan. I really appreciate the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my discussion with Terry Schilling of the American Principles Project on how to ban pornography. We hope you enjoyed this show, and if you want to check out past shows, head over to LifeSiteNews.com, click on the podcast tab. You can find this show on YouTube and all the podcast podcast platforms, pardon me, where you listen to your preferred content. Thanks so much for joining us, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.